welcome to the Willie Jackson Experiment. I'm your host, the one, the only, Willie Jackson. All right, guys. Um, so I got a really good episode for you. Um, this is a remembering 9/11, and uh, I'll tell you what. The time I'm recording this right now, um, was almost exactly the time when I heard about the attacks and um you know it was kind of bizarre because when I first heard it it, they kind of made it sound like it was an accident and I think that was like when the first plane hit and then when the second plane hit they were like this is no accident and so it was a really crazy day um I was still an electrical apprentice I didn't have my license yet and so I was you know kind of younger I mean I think I was in my 20s and uh you know just looking back on it it was it was crazy because it was like the first time i think i ever noticed that there wasn't a single plane in the sky and that was bizarre you know it was really bizarre and um you know just looking back on it um you know i think i think we did the right thing i think we went and you know got back at them and you know went after the people that you know did it and um you know got it uh you know resolved and everything but you know at the same time it it was really crazy to be like attacked on our own soil i mean because that was like the only time it's ever happened and so it kind of makes you look at you know why foreign policy is like so important and you know now with the stuff going on with like russia and russia you know changing a bunch of the uh you know energy stuff around the world as far as um you know getting other people um you know involved in you know cutting off uh europe you know this this stuff's gonna be interesting how it plays out and um i think you know i think we got to be careful um you know moving forward with um how we handle ourselves in in the different you know worlds but this is a a day to remember the the all the people that were lost and you know, they're just a bunch of innocent victims. And so, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll put together some audio. And, uh, of course, I will find us some metal. So, hope you enjoy this episode.
like a plane crash. Hey, Beth. Well, what is that? Something, somebody hit uh, the World Trade Center or the... It's a trade center. The World trade, trade Center. Two. Yeah. This just in, you are looking at we have a obviously news story very disturbing line shot there. there. That is the know, World Trade Center, and we just unconfirmed reports this morning to explosion as we come on now. We have serious news of a major, very tragic, incredible plane crash into the I just heard a loud boom. You, you did? Was it a plane? That's what I was thinking. It was a terrorist attack. Immediately, there's speculation or cause for concern. This is the World Trade Center that was the center of a terrorist bombing right. some years ago. So the questions have to be asked, was this a purely an accident or could this have been an intentional act? But either way, extensive damage was What's the other jet doing? What's the other jet doing? Holy fuck! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Looks like six, seven floors were taken out, and there's more oh, explosions there's, oh, right now. Hold on, people are running. Wait, hold, so hold on, hold on, just a moment. We got an explosion inside. The building's exploding right now. You got people running up the street. Okay. Oh, what's going on? Right. Oh my God! Another plane has just hit. It hit another building. Flew right into the middle of it. Explosion! My God! It's right in the middle of the building. Take your reader up from under your seat. Open your book up to lesson sixty on page one fifty-three. <laughs> Count of three, everyone should be on page one, two, three. Three. <laughs> Mom, another plane just crashed into the other World Trade Center. Another Please, plane hit a jet, a jumbo jet. I'm so scared. I'm leaving. I'm no, not, I know. Don't, 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 Megan. Oh, Megan. Oh, I'm Carol. I'm getting up. Oh, Megan, please wait for me. We do have some videotape. Oh. Of the second plane, and you can oh. see it there. Point, yeah, clearly difficult to tell. We're under uh, attack. What type of plane that is, but it's a horrific scene. That's and oh all right. We've just been told God. also, Michael. Sorry, the New York Stock Exchange is, is being evacuated, as is I'm sure much of Wall Street, <gasps> if not all of it, as, as much as possible. But the New York Stock Exchange has suspended trading for the it's moment. War. Uh, today we've had a national tragedy. Uh, two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country.
David, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we're looking at live pictures of the Pentagon where there is billowing smoke. Jim Miklaszewski just reported that he heard an explosion. And right now we're looking at an aerial view of the Pentagon. There are reports that the Pentagon has been evacuated and the White House is being evacuated. Many, many years. However, I'd be very, very cautious. All of the airports across the country have been shut down. All flights have been canceled for another seven hours which is about 5 o'clock Eastern Time. And then we'll reignite there. We'll take a look what's going on after that. The probability of extension, as they call that, is high. Take two. Take two and two, one. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers. A huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. I live. It's coming down on me. Here it comes. I'm getting behind a car. Anthony, you okay? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. that I can't see that second tower, but there was a cascade of sparks and fire, and now this it looks almost like a mushroom cloud explosion, this huge billowing smoke in the second tower. This was the second of the two towers hit. Now this is a, this is what it looked like moments ago. My God. Uh, remains of a airplane crash over on uh, Lambertsville Road and probably had a terrorist uh, bomb on board that blew up. I uh, don't know anything more than that. That's what I heard on the scanner. I just saw the smoke come up and uh, the, the uh, explosion shook the house clear over here and we are what? 15 miles from Lambertsville. In Washington, there, has, there is a large fire at the Pentagon. The Pentagon has been evacuated. 
And there's, you can see, perhaps the second tower, the front tower, the top portion of which is collapsing. Good Lord. There are no words. We have a report that a 747 uh, is down in Pennsylvania, and that remains unconfirmed at this point, and so we will check on that. Good evening. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat. But they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. The search is underway for those who are behind these evil acts. I've directed the full resources of our intelligence and law enforcement communities to find those responsible and to bring them to justice. We will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbored them. On the morning of September 11th, 2001, Tragedy struck when two hijacked airplanes crashed into the World Trade Center towers in New York City. After that, everything changed. For the past 20 years, America has grappled with the question of, could it happen again? Where would the attack come from? What could we do to prepare? And could we stop it? This is What If, and here's what would happen if 9-11 happened again. The attacks on the World Trade Center took the lives of nearly 3,000 people and consumed America with outrage, fear, and grief. The thought of a large-scale attack on Americans in their own country was no longer unthinkable. It was on everyone's mind. What if terrorists did strike again? What if this time they used biological weapons or even nuclear weapons? Which city would be the next target? Would Washington DC be next? 
Needless to say, the collective consciousness had changed forever. 20 years later, we're still asking these questions. With American troops pulled out of Afghanistan, tensions once again rise whether there could be another attack on U.S. soil. Would America be prepared for another attack? Well, here's the thing. This isn't the America you knew 20 years ago. Over the last two decades, the United States government has gotten a major upgrade to its defensive and offensive capabilities. The big one being its intelligence community. Let's break it down. Between 2002 and 2017, the United States spent an estimated 2.8 trillion on counterterrorism. So you've got the CIA, FBI, and National Security Agency, right? All getting expanded. Then you've got a newly formed Department of Homeland Security. Plus, the special forces are doubling down on counterterrorism capabilities. They've now got access to a whole new, densely tangled network of intelligence collection technologies. This tech collects all types of signals that can be used to target individuals or groups who may be planning attacks. Now, more than ever, it's harder for terrorist groups, such as Al-Qaeda, to organize an attack similar to 9-11. With today's far more advanced intelligence agencies on alert, a mass casualty attack is a lot less likely to slip through the cracks. But it's not impossible. Even with all the preparation in the world, an attack on American soil could always be a possibility. There are hundreds of places around the globe that could house terrorists organizing attacks on American targets. But it won't be another 9-11. The events of September 11, 2001 were a heartbreaking tragedy and a defining moment for Americans. There was life before 9-11, and there was life after 9-11. Government, travel, media, society, everything changed. Another attack in America wouldn't be a repeat of 9-11. It would be something new entirely. But what if the next attack was bigger than any of us expected? What if World War III happened tomorrow? Well, that's a story for another what if? Donald Trump is on the line. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know him as the man behind lots of real estate in Manhattan. And of course, uh, Donald, I understand you were actually a witness to what happened this morning. Well, I have a window that looks directly at the World Trade Center, and I saw this huge explosion. I was with a group of people, and I. I you really couldn't even believe it. And even, I think, worse than that, for years I've looked right directly at the building. I'd see the Empire State Building in the foreground and the World Trade Center in the background, and now I'm looking at absolutely nothing. It's just gone, and it's just hard to believe. Donald Allen Marcus here. Uh, your building is, uh, the Trump Tower, is uh, one of the uh, great tourist attractions uh, in the world. It's well-known 
universally. Are you taking any uh, precautions there in light of what happened at the World Trade Center? Well, Alan, we've always had, as you know, very, very strong security, but there's very little you can do about planes crashing into a building. I mean, you look at Larry Silverstein, who's a terrific owner in New York and a very good friend of mine who I just called. I was very worried about him because I assume maybe he was in the building. He took possession of the building one week ago. As you know, he just bought the World Trade Center. Right. And uh, he was in his office, and he was getting ready to move into the World Trade Center over the next two weeks. So when I just spoke to him, there's nothing you can do when people are going to be bombing planes at your building. Now, I guess maybe the world is going to be changing, and maybe you're going to have F-16s flying all over the city, etc. But it's a pretty tough situation. Donald, uh, you have one of the landmark buildings down in the financial district, 40 Wall Street. Uh, did you have any damage, or did you know what, what's happened down there? Well, it was an amazing phone call I made. Forty Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan, and, and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest, and now it's the tallest. And I just spoke to my people, and they said it's the most unbelievable site. It's probably seven or eight blocks away from the World Trade Center, and yet Wall Street is littered with two feet of stone and brick and mortar and steel, and there are thousands of people walking over the, the debris over the Brooklyn Bridge, where they're sending them out over the Brooklyn Bridge to Brooklyn, and then I guess they're going to have to figure out how to get home from there. But they have between a foot and two feet of debris uh, right in front of a building that's probably, you would say, Alan, six or seven blocks away. Uh, Donald, this is Roland Smith. Uh, hi, Roland. You know, hi, how you doing on this kind of day? You know, at some point, we're going to put all this behind us, and you as a visionary, particularly in, uh, in New York real estate, what do you think that we ought to do as a city, as a people, uh, when all of this gets, when the morning stops, when, when the dead are, are honored, and, uh, and we've found out what caused it and maybe corrected it. What does the city need to do? Well, I guess the big thing that, that you really will have to do is never forget. You just can't forget that something like this happened. I was so disappointed when they closed the stock exchange, but of course, at some point, you had no choice. You know, when they initially announced it was closing, because you want to just say, the hell with it, you're going forward, nothing's going to change. But the fact is, something has changed very dramatically. And I think one of the very sad things is going to be when you look at the skyline of New York, which has become so emblazoned in your own memory, and you look in, at the skyline of New York and you see these buildings, these two buildings, whether you love them or don't love them, they were a great part of the skyline. And then when you look at the skyline after 2001, and you're going to see a skyline without these two buildings, you're going to say, what happened? People won't believe it. You know, when you show your children or your grandchildren in years to come what New York looked like in the year 2000, and then what New York looked like just a year later, they're going to say, what happened? Hey, Donald, it, it, uh, in, the year in, in the year 2000, Donald, you considered running for president. If, if, if you had done that and if you had been successful, what do you think uh, you'd be doing right now? Well, I, I'd be taking a very, very tough line, Alan. I mean, uh, you know, most people feel they know uh, uh, at least approximately the group of people that did this and where they are, but... Um, boy, would you have to take a hard line on this. This just can't be tolerated, and it's got to be very, very stern. This is, as you and I were discussing before, Alan, this was probably worse than Pearl Harbor. Many more people are dead, and, and you know, they don't know, they have no idea, but uh, I have somebody that was down there who witnessed at least 10 people jumping out of the building from 
70 and 80 stories up in the air. I mean, you probably have 25 or 30,000 is the number I've heard, but I would think would be much more than that. I think the most of the damage will be caused not by even in the building in terms of the people dead, but by the people on the streets from falling debris. Donald, you're probably the best known builder, uh, particularly of, of, of great buildings in the city. There's a great deal of question about whether or not the damage and, and the ultimate destruction of the buildings was caused by the airplanes, by architectural defect, or possibly by bombs or, or aftershocks. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, it was an architectural defect. You know, the World Trade Center was always known as a very, very strong building. Don't forget, that took a big bomb in the basement. Now, the basement is the most vulnerable place because that's your foundation. And it withstood that. And I got to see that area about three or four days after it took place because one of my structural engineers actually took me for a tour because he did the building. And I said, I can't believe it. The building was standing solid and half of the columns were blown out. I mean, so this was an unbelievably powerful building. Uh, if you know anything about structure, it was one of the first buildings that was built from the outside. The steel, the reason the World Trade Center had such narrow windows is that in between all the windows, you had the steel on the outside. So you had the steel on the outside of the building. That's why when I first looked, and you had big, heavy I-beams. When I first looked at it, I couldn't believe it because there was a hole in the steel. And this is steel that was, you remember the, the width of the windows in the World Trade Center, folks. I think, you, you know, if you were ever up there, they were quite narrow. And in between was this heavy steel. I said, how could a plane, even a plane, even a 767 or 747 or whatever it might have been, how could it possibly go through the steel? I happen to think that they had not only a plane, but they had bombs that exploded almost simultaneously. Because I just can't imagine anything being able to go through that wall. Most buildings are built with the steelers on the inside around the elevator shaft. This one was built from the outside, which is the strongest structure you can have, and it was almost just like a, uh, like a can of soup. You know, Donald, we were looking at pictures all morning long of that plane coming into uh, building number two, and when you see that uh, approach the, the far side, and then all of a sudden, within a matter of a millisecond, the explosion pops out the other side. Right. I just think that there was a plane with more than just fuel. I think, obviously, there were very big planes. They were going very rapidly because I was also watching where the plane seemed to be not only going fast, it seemed to be coming down into the building. So it was getting the speed from going downhill, so to speak. Uh, it just seemed to me that to do that kind of destruction is even more than a big plane because you're talking about taking out steel, the heaviest caliber steel that was used on a building. I mean, these buildings were rock solid. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing. It's, this country is different today, and, and it's going to be different than it ever was for many years to come. Very profound statement and very true. Donald, uh, one last question for you. Uh, given the, the, the magnitude of, 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 of how much of American commerce took place within the Twin Towers, what do you, as you're an expert on this, what do you think is going to be the fallout over the next many several weeks, months, and even years, given what we have lost uh, in terms of those buildings going down and, and all that was within it? Well, I, I, as an example, Alan, and you might use them too, but I have an insurance company that was on the 102nd floor of the World Trade Center. They're gone. I don't know who's gone. I don't know anything other than their offices are no longer there. They're wiped out. Um, the Morgan Stanley Group, you know, Morgan Stanley, a big, powerful firm, they had 50 stories in the building, gone. I mean, you're talking about some firms that are just gone. 
Now, Morgan Stanley, in that case, had a lot of its offices in Midtown, and they had about half downtown. Morgan Stanley's a big, powerful firm. They're gone. Many firms had all of their offices, as you know, in the World Trade Center. It was 8 million square feet. 8 million square feet is the size of some cities. And we had 8 million square feet in the world, 4 million in each building. They were huge buildings, not only in height, but, you know, each, each floor was 50,000 feet. They were monstrous floors. Each floor was almost a, a city in itself, and they had 110 floors or so. So, um, you know, many firms that were easily recognizable for those of us in the financial worlds, for those of us that read the papers and see the financial pages, they're going to be gone. I mean, they're just not going to exist anymore. They're gone. Donald and Trump. Many of the people are gone with them. Donald Trump, thank you so very much for joining well, us. Thank we, you all. we really Good appreciate luck. it. Thank you. And Same you to you. You too. Our prayers are with everyone. Joanne Pileggi is going. But after what occurred a year ago in Afghanistan, you know, when September 11th hit, the VAs in America were rocked and the veterans that were showing up, the generation that was showing up to deal with the trauma of September 11th was the Vietnam generation. Just like when Pearl Harbor happened, it was the World War I veteran that was struggling. It's always the generation that has seen combat that then has to deal with the fact that their sons and daughters are going to have to go through it as well. Uh, this, we're, what we had took 21 years to salve the wounds of what we all saw on September 11th. Afghanistan exacerbated, and I'm, unfortunately, I don't think we've even gotten to the top of, of how damaging our withdrawal from Afghanistan has been. Yeah, there's no question about that. And that our government hasn't really learned the lessons of this, in my opinion, since Joe Biden was elected. We have 81 uh, known terrorists who have crossed our southern border. I'm just so confused. We've done so much to upend people's lives at airports, and we're still doing many of the security measures um, that were implemented post 9-11, and yet our border is wide open, and our government knows that known terrorists have come across, and they still haven't closed it. Known terrorists, that number, that statistic, that data point is just so frustrating. What we know of, right? But as you said, look, I mean, you, it's very easy to Monday morning quarterback all things. This is the nature of, of military operations. There's a political side to it, the public side to it. And it's very easy to look at the Bush administration and say, what were you thinking, right? But don't forget that there were eight years under Barack Obama where every one of running on a platform of bad war good war forget Iraq let's move forward focus on Afghanistan this was the nexus of every one of the talking points that brought those eight years to the American people and yet through that all through all of the lessons learned we still have the mastermind of Al-Qaeda eating subway sandwiches at Gitmo I mean, talk about, you know, a, a black eye to, to the American way of, forget about the victims, forget about the families. This is about who we are as a nation. If we can't come to terms with military tribunals, civilian, get Judge Judy. Someone out there has to acknowledge this thug and the leader and get to the answers. You, you, you want to dispel conspiracies and nonsense, you put the facts out there, you stand behind what happened on September 11th. It, it, both parties own uh, responsibility here. So I think that's a, a fascinating place to pick up 
the conversation, the question that Pete introduced, David, and I want to turn to you with this. So I think it is important to say December 7th, 1941 is a day that now lives in our history books. But September 11th, 2001 still lives in the present in so many ways. And that's what we've begun to talk about. Obviously, we're talking to a member, and we have one sitting on set with us, of our greatest generation that responded to 9-11. So it's not simply in the past. And that brings up who you just brought up as well, David, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. He's sitting in a, a, a jail in Gitmo. He's never faced trial. So how do you think we should sit here today? Uh, you know, a friend of all of ours, Scott Mann, has talked about and written on Fox News as well in an op-ed, said, you know, the enemy gets a vote as well. So this is not simply in the past. The enemy is still out there looking to find us. So as we sit here today, 21 years later, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed is in jail and the enemy is still in some places like Afghanistan, perhaps on their front foot. Where should we be when it comes to the war on terror? Hyper vigilant, hyper aware. And, and as you mentioned, the greatest generation in World War II, it was it was the average citizen that was correcting people on the streets every day about Pearl Harbor. Right. People didn't even know where was Hawaii a state. It wasn't at the time. Is it a protectorate? What's so important about Pearl Harbor? What does it matter that Japan, uh, you know, the only people killed there were service members, differentiate. None of that was a factor to a generation that said, I don't know where Pearl Harbor is. I don't understand what's going on in foreign policy. And I get all my news from a radio. I still want to go take my son, take my daughter. We're going to hit these boys back and we're going to hit them harder than they could have ever dreamed of coming at us. That was the average citizen. So we can complain about our government. We can complain about the media. We love doing it. It's a parlor game. American citizens have to be the beacon of that information to everyone. And a guy like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed sitting around for 21 years, this needs to be brought up every single day, not just on the anniversary of September 11th. How many other folks are out there? What other countries were aiding and abetting and sending funds? And how can we possibly look at the American people in the eye and say, this will never happen again when the very circumstance that brought us September 11th unmolested, thousand miles away uh, in the caves and in the uh, freedom of, of planning and developing and training, we have the exact same formula today that we did 21 years ago. I'll tell you what, it, it's very difficult, not just for veterans or family members, it's difficult for Americans to accept this as our reality. David Bellavia. Thank you so much, not only for being with us this morning, but for everything you've given to this country in the years following 9-11. Thank you, David. Absolutely. Thank you, David. Uh, thank David, thank you. One of the absolute best spokesperson for our yeah. generation, Medal of Honor recipient, Battle of Fallujah. He brings that, it brought to mind the fact that many of the leaders of the Taliban right now were held at Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. And they were released. Now they're in charge. And we can't even put on trial the mastermind of 9-11. If you're our enemy, does that look serious to you? That's what I was supposed to say. It's not just even about the war on terror, the sort of Islamic threat that we have. This is a message to China as well about how serious we are as a nation. A look at this date today, and for so many, it is still so chilling. September 11th, and just like we've done for two decades now, we pause to remember the terrible events of this day in 2001. The annual ceremony set for later this morning, and while it always attracts big politicians, they are certainly not the focus of today. Eyewitness News reporter Josh Einiger, live at the 9-11 Memorial, where the annual reading of the names will be held once again. Josh. 
Yeah, good morning to you, Mike. Uh, 21 years, it is hard to believe it has been that long. More than 20 years, it is still just like yesterday for so many people who were here or who lost loved ones that day. As you said, today's commemoration, as it has every year, starts at 8.30. There are six moments of silence starting at 8.46, commemorating the moments that each plane hit each tower, the moments that the towers fell, the moments that the two other planes hit the Pentagon and crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. But again, as you said, this is not necessarily about the dignitaries or even about the pomp and circumstance. It's about individual victims, the people who lost loved ones on that day. Firefighter named Jimmy Riches, whose father talked to you, Mike, yesterday. Uh, and we uh, can tell you that family members, even so many years later, to them, the, the loss is as raw as it ever has been. It was a kid coming down the block to him. 100-story building, a plane sticking out the side, burning, and he's running in while everybody else is running out. He wasn't afraid of anything. He was kind to everybody. He always helped a little guy, a little kid who was last running behind. He'd, he'd run back, pick him up. It's stories like that that will be remembered, be retold, and at the forefront of this event here today that starts at 8.30, Vice President Kamala Harris and her husband will be here as long as plenty of other politicians and dignitaries, but also the families of thousands of people who just went to work that day and never went home. We'll have it all for you as the morning progresses. I've just received word that a plane apparently has crashed Something relatively devastating happening this morning. Here. Is that the, there is more and more fire and smoke. The plane has hit Tower 2. Directly in the middle of uh, one of the World Trade Center towers.
unfolding, coming crashing down. We're watching the light. It is right. We're watching the light. Some will carry memories of a face and a voice gone forever. <laughs> 